Our expectations are influenced by how we choose to interpret a situation and perceptions, how someone should react instead of focusing on what we could have done differently to affect the outcome. Okay. I am very action oriented. What can I do? What can we do? How can I learn from this experience? What do I do next? You know, I am very guilty of wanting to fix things, I think, but it's important to make a move of some sort, a move. Okay. Capital letters move and no different when we are stressed and maxed out emotionally and mentally with busy lives, difficult work situations, and all the rest that's going on. Welcome to the damn good designer podcast. Join host Cheryl and Liz, the visionary and integrator balancing all the moving parts of a full-service interior design firm. Get ready for a wild ride as they challenge the norms, challenge the industry, and challenge you with damn good truths about what success looks like today. Now your hosts. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Damn Good Designer Podcast. Liz and I want to talk about hitting the reset button today. I think most of us need it, right? And let's be honest, we live in this busy, busy, dang world. So resetting takes some Herculean efforts. Now I want to hit the big old fat reset button on January too, but (laughs) it's going to be not quite the same thing that we're talking about. But we want to explore why everyone seems so stressed, because I think that that is a very common sort of feeling right now. I know I hear about it a lot and people in the group and I hear from designers I'm coaching and people in TDP and all that. I think everybody is that way. But how can we handle it? What can we do? And it affects our clients, subs, even ourselves and how they're reacting to the design process. I mean, y'all know me, this is not about woo-woo stuff, but clear assessment and five clear actions to take to hit the big old reset button. And it might not be exactly what you're expecting. So, so no big surprise. Everyone's exhausted, right? Okay. And that is what I think everybody's feeling, right? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you probably hear about it from our team more than I do because they probably would complain to you, Liz, about it more than they do to me because everybody's seen and they're young. So they shouldn't have any reason to be exhausted. Dang it. I know. I think um, they're pretty good. <laughs> at least that's not they the don't complain about it. that much. I don't think. Okay. Yeah. They're not. They're great. <clears throat> but I talked about this subject in our small business think big group not too long ago. But I, I do think that we need to strongly control the impact puts into our lives better as they are becoming so pervasive, much like we talked about on the Say No to the Big O podcast. Don't let people tell you how you feel or play into that. Control what is going inside your head. So number one, number one reset button that we need to hit, like I need I need a button or something to go, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> D&D, digital minimalism and dedicated alone time. Okay. I mean, all the moms out there with little kids probably are going, yes, yes, alone time. I can't get alone time. The Digital minimalism approach has helped me reset, especially on the weekends. And it's hard when it's part of my work these days to be on social media and all that. It it really is. I mean, thank God I'm not really handling all the day-to-day posting and things like that on Instagram. And I I, actually, the In Detail page gets neglected because I just don't have time. And I'm the only one who does that. But just taking Facebook off of my phone has helped a lot. And not to be so reactive, like when I have a free moment, not to just grab that and kind of see what's the heck's going on? What's happening? happening these days. I need less stimulus buzzing around me to be creative. I don't think we're allowing ourselves enough downtime to really be alone with our thoughts. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that, Liz? Oh, I agree completely. I was just saying that I have started this new routine because I'm trying to get into one, but essentially to go outside and be outside with no phone and no other stimulus, but just being outdoors with the dog. It's glorious. Which really has been good. And it's that and getting a good night's sleep for me is what is helping me be more clear in the morning, 
we're doing a lot of work in our office right now with sort of time blocking our days. And it gives me a lot more clarity in the morning to think about what's going to be happening rather than being right on my phone the minute I wake up and trying to deal with this and that because I get sucked into things that then distract me from starting Mm -hmm. on a good foot. So it's strategic to a certain degree. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with that. It is you. That's part of the the, one of these is being intentional about it. And I think as creative people, we get bored really easily. And I don't know, for me, I feel like sometimes we're too quick to soothe a moment of peace by picking up the phone just to scroll through. And you really have to make, be mindful about that. And I love your your walks that you're going on, Liz. And maybe I need to do that too. Right now, I, I put my phone to bed. Like it goes, okay, nighty night, Mr. Phone. And I'm putting it to bed, literally putting it to bed. Okay. I am done with the phone. And anyone who knows me, like it knows that they're going to have to call me too. I think the results are, are pretty, pretty quick. No need to wait until next year for that. Control your media and your time and don't let it control you. And that is what's really happening from a social psychology standpoint too. Being alone with your thoughts is a gift to ourselves and more importantly, to our spirit. And I think that because we don't have enough downtime where we can just be and not have to do something, read something, listen, to something, answer an email, respond to the immediacy that texting encourages, and it kind of rudely in a way, if you think about it, take your kid to this event, that event, this practice, that school meeting, and so on and so on. This was not an option for me when I was a single mom building a business. I was developing little humans for sure, but it just wasn't an option to be that on the go all the time. It just wasn't going to happen. And I did that. Now I'm, I'm going to sound like the, the old guy that walked 20 miles to school in the snow and all that. But I sent my kids out to play and this is what they did. I don't see that as much anymore. And maybe it's because the environment's too scary or whatever. I don't know. I really don't. I know I'm sounding like this old fart, but it's the truth. Turn off as much as you can to regenerate some enthusiasm. All of this busyness sucks you dry and you need that time to be alone. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's, it's like almost like protection or or like self-care, like making sure that you really sort of set aside a way to better navigate some of these things because it does absolutely increase your ability to do other things. That suck that you feel or that exhaustion in other ways from different parts of life. I mean, the text thing for us is a big thing because we're very intimate with our subs and intimate with our clients and we're very like on it all the time. And that's important and it, it has a place, but there also are a lot of other things that we have to do to contribute positively to what it is that is happening in our company. And so without being able to have that clarity to sort of start on the front end and really decide this is how things are going to go and this is how we're going to handle things and this is how we're going to make sure that we can show up every day. You can't really do your best job. I mean, it it really is kind of like reverse engineering your perspective because you'd think, oh, well, someone who's on it all the time is going to have the most success. But I really don't think that's always the case. No, I I don't think so. I don't think so either. I I really don't. And that's a big reset button for me personally because I, I really need that time. I'm an introvert, an extroverted introvert, I guess you would say. And I need that time to be by myself, to be thinking about other things besides who's on the phone or whatever. I'm just easily distracted too. So let's just think about that. And then here's here's number two, okay? More FaceTime and less email and maybe less text too, because I still think those subs take advantage of you, Liz, and you're pinging back and forth with this one and that one and not compartmentalizing. I will say that I compartmentalize. The problem is, and that Liz and I found this out last week a couple of times because I was on a couple of three-hour intensives with designers and then I had a couple of other meetings 
And so I was completely out of touch. I'm usually glancing to see like what fire might be going on at the shop, but I was completely out of touch. And then what happens is, is that Stephanie and Liz or Stephanie and Libby are, are going and going at it. And and then I don't see all the text messages scrolling yeah, up to catch and all up. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and then I'm going, wait, whoa, 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 what happened here? So we're working through this too. I, I don't have it all figured out, but I will say that more FaceTime, I think in general, because we think connecting on social media is good enough, but it doesn't replace face-to-face time with anybody, with your friends, your family, or anybody else. And I think it has. I think it has for a lot of people. And I can tell you when it comes to that, to the texting back and forth and not seeing somebody, I just can't do it anymore. I, I really am really over email. Like, can I say that I am just wishing, and I used to be like email Sally. I mean, I was like, okay, this email thing is the greatest thing in the whole wide world. I am over email because I cannot, I, it is like playing whack-a-mole with the spam. It is, I don't know what, what lists my name are on, or, or maybe it's because I've had an email for all these years. And maybe it's because I had press pass for a long time and all that and all those kinds of things. But I am just donezo. I see about half my emails and we tell people up front to copy someone else on the shop. I mean, if you email me, you doggone better be copying somebody else, whether it's Stephanie, Liz, anybody there, Miranda, Gabrielle, everybody sees their email. I do not. And you know, I've almost missed out on some good opportunities because of it, but it's just the way it is. So I go through ClickUp a lot now and, and go and I really am paying attention to my notifications and putting on there the ones that are really important so I can go through at night and really see what's happening that people need my response on. So the other thing is, is I want to mention before I forget is that I also use a thing called Maelstrom. This is not a paid endorsement oh, or anything. Yeah. Um, I forgot I don't about know that. who owns it or anything else. But I think that I'm also going to try and see if anybody at the shop wants to use it too, because you can use it I think up to, I pay for it a year, like, I don't know, 99 bucks a year or something. And I go on it maybe once, once every three weeks, maybe a month. And it's so much easier the way that it interfaces and the way that it catches up with everything on the, better than Gmail. And then I can bulk delete a lot more and bulk save because you can save a bunch of things. I can go through there for one client and just hit save and put them all in their file or whatever. There's smart mailboxes and all that too, that you can use. But my experience has not always been great with that. There is an interface with ClickUp that we can use for that too, Liz, that I was doing for a while, but I haven't really gotten into that. But I do think that we're like in a little bit of a throwback time, right? And and I think that we also need to have more meetings. And this is something mm-hmm. that Liz and I talk about all the time all because the, the time. week just gets <clears throat> away from us. And then something is going on. Like this week, I'm going out of town. And so, of course, I'm, I'm just like crazy, crazy. And all these things that are happening that you end up putting it off or whatever, and you just can't do it. But I also think it's like meeting on the job site with a team, with a contractor. It's like 2000 back from when I first started. And I think that then you have less overall time spent, more clarity for sure, maybe a little laughter. And it's actually easier, I think, to be productive. And I'm not saying that, you know, in misunderstandings, less misunderstandings too. And so the thing about it is I'm going to always send an email when I need to cover my ass. Okay. For sure. We do that all the time. That is going to be standard. We are going to do that. But I think there's too much back and forth. Okay. And this is a big a big to do with me. This is like I get on these like little high horses. <laughs> Liz knows this well. We've been having so a lot of conversations team. about this lately, but it's a yes. good conversation to have. I mean, again, it's it's important for all of us to be reflective it, about. It, it really is. Just it's just. But even if you're you don't have a team or you're emailing vendors or whatever, have all your information once. Get the answer once. Send them as much information as you can. And when people, when I, when my team can't, if they, if they don't, if I can say back to them, and so. 
back to an email, that is like the kiss of death because I want to give them all the information. They do not want Cheryl saying, and so in response to an email, it's like, don't give me those declarative type sentences. You know, you need to tell me exactly what's going on. And then also like you, you can ask yourself, would I pay to have this email sent? If you would pay to have the email sent, then maybe you shouldn't send it if it's not that important because email is free. And I think that it's just gotten a little like cray cray. And I like seeing some of my newsletters come in and things like that. And my James Clear newsletter and, and various newsletters. I like seeing those. I want to see them. But the, the problem is, is there's so much going on with it. And I just think now I, I am in what we call DEFCON 5. And that is like means, well, the end of year you know, two, which does not help. Oh. Oh my God. Yes. End of the year, tax planning, this, that, all the things going on, trying to get this and that together, trying to figure out like, why is that showing up here? Why is that showing QuickBooks and all that? So there's a lot of things going on. Plus we're getting ready for our marketing to launch marketing in, in 2024 for TDP, you know, this separate standalone section. So there's a lot going on in general. And I just feel like, you know what, you guys, you just need to pick up the phone and call me or wait until I decide to look at my phone for a text. But just don't expect me to see the emails. Just don't because I am not, that is not, that doesn't mean you've done your job in my business that if you send me an email or send Liz an email for that matter, that means that, oh, I'm done now. I sent the email with what Cheryl wanted to know. No, if it's a project that you're in charge of, that hot potato is still sitting on your desk until you get some resolution or or something. The thing about the texting too is that how many times, and I am so guilty of this, I mean, like really guilty of this, that you're texting instead of calling when you really just don't want to talk to somebody. You really just want to dispatch the situation and you don't want to have to deal with that. And, and it's more work to engage by having this two-way verbal conversation. And before I started really going through the digital detox situation here, and there's a book called Digital Minimalism, by the way, we'll put it in the show notes. I forget who wrote it off the top of my head, but Digital Minimalism, it's a really good book. It's yellow and it's really good. But I think that we need more FaceTime with people and I think we need less email. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that, Liz? I mean, what's your comments on that? Because this is the first time you're hearing this. I know. Well, I, I will admit that I live by my email, but at the same time... But you do time, a good job of it though. I yeah. mean, ever since she's gotten here and she has eight years of email and she doesn't delete diddly squat, she will turf everything to where it needs to go. I don't know how in the world this woman does that because I just, I can't either that or it's just because your emails aren't, you don't get as much spam as I do maybe. Yeah, I think that is definitely it because I unsubscribe left and right. <laughs> Even yeah. from vendors, all day. stuff that I, can, I probably I can, should yeah. be looking at. I just don't have the time for it. And so I just get rid of it. But I think that it's, a lot of this is kind of like presumptive of all of us, right? Because you think about it and we each maintain a different role in our company. And of course we have things that come together and dovetail and there are things that we work on collectively. But the thing that's ticking in my head, most most of the day probably is not what's ticking maybe in Cheryl's head in that moment and vice versa. So for me to think texting an offhand comment that's not related to something that we're working on or sending an email about an offhand comment and expecting that that suffices as a way to communicate that information in that moment is really just assuming that someone is paying attention to your every move every second, which is just not going to happen arrogant. in this industry. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's very arrogant to be thinking that if you really want to think about it, like how arrogant it is, like texting is, is arrogant when you, when you expect a, right. a response right away. Yeah. Right. And, and thank God we don't have clients like this. We really don't y'all. We don't have that problem that people talk about in Facebook groups all the time. I think that goes to our business model, how we, how we choose people, how people choose us, all of that. 
because we really it's it's internal and then with subs and things like that and just in general like my family you know i mean everybody else my husband will say do not text me call me he'll say that all the time but then of course when he texts me he expects me to pay attention so yeah. well that's a whole nother ball of wax <laughs> but i do think the other side of this is really this whole perspective that we take where when it is a situation where you do need to get something done or when something is important you do want to cover your butt just like we said you know you want to send the email or have the correspondence or whatever it happens to be but a lot of times it really is so much more effective to meet in person to get on site to have the meeting together Less because understandings. you get fewer emails back and forth. How many email chains do we have about silly things in the office where everyone is commenting back and forth, left and right? Well, Libby said this and Jen said that. And oh, well, I thought Miranda did this. And then by the time you spend all the time reading through it, trying to track what the heck happened, you're 20 minutes into an email that's non-relevant to anything that's productive for your day. So we're really trying to sort of consolidate how this correspondence happens, making sure that the people who are responsible for things are taking direct responsibility for them and, and moving them through the paces from top to bottom, and really requiring that of our subs and our contractors too, because they sometimes will take advantage a little bit and they don't realize how much of our time collectively it wastes to get from right. point A to point B. Right. Right. You know, Especially they, should, they need this lesson things. too. They need it as yeah, much as we they, do. They really, they need to, we're going to send this podcast to them when we get done with it. But I'm also clear headed when I'm not texting and limiting social media. I really am. I'm, I'm just, I'm so much more clear headed about it, but it, it's definitely a work in progress because it, it's hard to stop this freight train, you know, roaring down the tracks for sure. But I think if we're all mindful about the communication overload and are a bit choosier, I think the world would be happier. I would be happier. Everyone would be happier. And something's got to give. I've been very committed this year to being present for the people in the design paradigm. And that had to be prioritized for me. So something else had to give. And I'm, I'm a lot less stressed because it was an intentional decision for sure. But that's that's how it is for me. If I make an intentional decision, then I'm making an action. I am taking an action. And and the thing about social media too is, I mean, there are, I really, I love Facebook. I, I think it's great. I love connecting there and all that kind of thing. I know a lot of people love Instagram and all that. It's never been a big deal for me, but I don't need the X or the threads and the needles and the clocks and the talks and all that. I just don't need that. Not personally anyway. I mean, is your ideal client there? Our ideal client is definitely not hanging out there. Are they, Liz? I mean, if they no. are, then they have too much time on their hands. Yeah, definitely not. And I think that that type of, I don't know, that type of mentality is not where a lot of our clients live either. So it's important to kind of remember that the way that those communications happen and you know the way that all of that goes down is really not probably as relevant to what you need to be focusing on day to day. But I think too, for our team, it's a really interesting dynamic because I, I try to be more conscientious of the fact that I know how many pings I get for requests. Subs need things. Cheryl needs things. Libby needs things. The girls need accommodations for pricing or they have questions about freight. And some of these things are time sensitive. So I have to figure out how am I balancing the needs that are required of me in the moment and the things that I also have to get done on my own plate to make sure that I'm not overcompensating in one department or the other. It's very challenging. It's yeah, not it's an easy thing to do. But yeah, not, when you take so some of that other crap out of there, it does help because it just eliminates the pressure, the notification the pings, the times that you're distracted, thinking maybe something is one thing when it's not. It just helps to sort of clear the room a little bit and 
and really make space for what it is that needs to be the focus, which is some of those specific group correspondences that are relevant to showroom items or subcontractor needs that are specific, that are time sensitive, all that type of thing. So it is like a kind of weeding through the mess to figure out what is it exactly that you need to be able to really do or where do you want to block the time to cater to those needs so that they get what they need maybe you, first thing in the to, morning. Yeah, you have to prioritize just religiously about it. That's why the time blocking that we've been talking about for a while has really been great for us as a team. It doesn't always work out that way because this business things do come up, but we're trying. I, I don't react as much as other people on the team might. I really don't. I'm, I'm not. I just, I kind of insanguine about it and just kind of, I do my day. I block myself out. And when I'm talking like to, to somebody else on a Zoom, like a designer, the other day I was talking to somebody, it was a great call. And I was really, I just, I was totally in the moment. And that's the way I kind of have to be to be able to focus on somebody else's business and not my own. But I also have a stellar team behind me. So I know that if the house is on fire, they're going to get a hold of me somehow or another. Okay. So number three, the other thing about all this is from a business perspective is that many are struggling with just BS in their business that they don't really need to. So the number three thing to reset is being intentional about handling problems with a systematic response. Okay. So what I mean by that is not an automated response, <laughs> not, not letting Bill, your little robot guy go out and, and handle all the problems. Although I don't know if that's invented yet, but if it is, I need to get one of those. But when X happens, we respond in this mode because I think a lot of the problem is the anxiety that people get when they don't know how to respond. And that it becomes that, that is the proliferation of, of Facebook group posts sometimes that it's a lot of people asking questions about like, this hasn't happened to me before. And sometimes it's not happened. To you. I mean, after 23 years, we still have things that are happening that, that, we, that we haven't planned for. But I think that if you're systematic about it and you are, when X happens, this is how we respond in this mode. And this is what we're going to do next. This saves you from being whipped around when a client or a sub takes their lousy, exhausted day out on you. Owning a business and running it sustainably is a ton of work. Let's just face the fact. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it if it was that easy. So there is no there is no easy button like they had at that Staples or whatever it was. I mean, that easy button, I would have liked to have had that where you just can hit the easy button on it. But if you're finding yourself not in control of your business, you have to figure out why that is happening and what would make you fall in love with it all over again. This, this is not really a problem for us because we are systematic about it. I, I have to be because if, if I'm not and Liz is in New Hampshire more than she's here and we have all these things going on in five different profit centers under one roof, all of that. I mean, can you imagine? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do that. I mean, there's just, I just wouldn't. But I think that you have to, to really focus on that. And, you know, or you have to find another passion and feel okay exploring options to change your trajectory if you don't feel that, that you're in control because you are in control. And I think that we all need to remember that, that we are in control of how we respond to a situation. And for me, I want to know that it's like, if this happens, then that's going to happen. Now, Liz may be more accessible to people here than I am sometimes if I'm in a meeting with somebody or something else is going on. But you know what? It's just not always going to be that way. So you have to make sure that people have, they have the tools to deal with the problems. So I think that the, the thing about this is, is being intentional about handling, you know, ha having a, like a, a cheat sheet for when, yeah. when this happens, this is how we're going to react, right? 
Yeah. And the dynamics, it's different, obviously, day to day, because the dynamics of kind of what is going on or, or things that are happening may be training opportunities. So it's it's can be difficult to just kind of turf them off in certain moments. But I think that when you can really consider how is it that I want this to be handled in a perfect case scenario, this is like, I think of that, this a lot in relationship to when designers say that like, they're so inundated, and they have so much going on, and they just can't possibly do it all, but they don't want to hire because it's too much work to hire and they they don't have time to train all they, the people. Designers don't hire soon enough. All that I mean, that is, that is my, that <laughs> right? is my hill and I'm going to die on that one for sure. But it's, it's, it's almost one in the same. It's this idea that you have to decide that this is something that is necessary for me to get from point A to point B. And then you need to make the little roadmap to get yourself there. So if I want to make sure that someone in our office is capable of helping me with like today, workroom orders. That would be a thing off my plate that I wouldn't have to worry about constantly if I could prep it and someone else could handle the processing. So rather than turfing it and being like, figure it out, I took a quick 15 minutes. I outlined exactly what the process should be. I sent it out so that they could try it. And then we troubleshot through it on a little training call. And then that was that. Now I know that at least she has some context, but I had to decide I'm going to take 30 minutes of my day and do this properly because first of all, it's going to alleviate my stress because I need to get it done. So I can right. focus and that's on where the intention comes in, Liz. Right. Exactly what you're talking about. That's you intentionally set aside other things, probably 150 things that I asked you to do that I'll find out about after this podcast. But <laughs> just but you intent you were intentional about it. And that's what I think people don't do. They don't get intentional about right. it. But go ahead. Sorry about that. No, but I think that that therein kind of lies the rub, you have to be able to acknowledge that yes, it's going to take you time to do things the right way or to follow the process or to, to go on site and get the thing done. But how much are you going to gain from that in terms of the payoff when you can focus on other things and not be distracted by the 15 phone calls that come in after because the sub didn't understand where the pony wall was supposed to go and how deep it was supposed to be. And then the countertop person is there and then it's a big cluster mess. Oh, excuse yeah. my French. Yeah. But, oh, you know, boy, you're going to get in trouble. You know, <laughs> and, and I, you know I agree with you 100% on the internal. And then you've got the, okay, so then you've got the the clients that are the people that you're working with or whatever. And, and luckily, we are very blessed with with a great client group. And we just don't seem to have this problem. But I, I know it is a problem because I hear about it from a lot of people. That is um, that people are just cranky. People are getting cranky. And I hate that so many people are getting to the point where they're saying, I don't know if I want to do this business anymore because I can't, I can't do this business if I'm not all in because it takes too much out. Out of you and and not in a bad way. I mean, it, I'm thrive on it. I really do. I am happy and thrilled to get up every single morning. I'm passionate about it. But I think that as the day goes on, I get a little. Although I don't know. Sometimes you always tell me that I'm I kind of rev up at four o'clock in the know, afternoon. I've got all these ideas. I'm stuff. like, oh, yeah. Liz is like practically <laughs> asleep because she gets up. We, we always joke that we have a 24 seven firm here because she gets up so early and I stay up late. But I disconnect when I when I come home. I, the first thing I do is I take a shower when I come home. My husband likes to cook. I, mean, I don't think. No, if he likes to cook, but he likes to eat. So since I don't cook right necessary now, necessary evil. He, yes, it's a necessary evil. So, but the first thing I do is I go upstairs and take a shower, and it's like it's like a physical thing that I'm just like washing it all away, like just whatever, and I can kind of come out and go, okay, now I'm feeling more comfortable. Plus, I get into get in my silky pajamas and all that, and I can take a deep breath and exhale. Go outside, go out right now, and buy yourself some silky pajamas or put that on Santa's list or something. But I really, I think because we have gone through this, the whole lockdown, PTSD, all of those kinds of things have 
just created a lot of cranky people a lot on edge. There's an inability to disagree with anyone about anything and have it end well or to agree to disagree anymore. Like that's not even a thing. People want to like duke it out to the to the bottom, <laughs> to the depth. Oh my God. I mean, seriously. And I'm so easy to, to be sucked into that. I mean, it's one of my great failures to get sucked into that. But do you remember when that was a thing, Liz, that people agreed to disagree? And I, I really think that there's this collective anxiety of sorts, right? I think that there is just this really, because we are so busy and because of that, that the COVID really knocked us like in the face, like a big old huge punch. And it's been like a one-two punch. And what I feel like with a lot of people when I talk to them, and of course, this is something that, that comes up a lot, is that people are waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it just is, is just, I think that's why we need the big reset is, is because that people think that. And, and with clients, the one thing I wanted to say about this, Liz, and it's sort of a little off topic here, but not, not really, because it's, you still have to figure out how you're going to handle it is, is I think that a lot of people, it's, it's about control. So for a year or so, we really had no control over what was happening with us. I mean, we had a little more control than others in Florida, but we still had no, no a lot real of uncertainty. Control. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of those things, this, this anxiety. And I think that, that, it, that all the sensory input and that the new, the, the meta feta stuff and the, the, all the, the different, the X's and the, and the O's and the whatever, all these, these threads and needles and all that. So my mom keeps calling it. Um, all of these things are just more and more making people overstimulated. You know, they're bombarded 24 seven with these sensory inputs. And I think then it's natural for people to want to control something. And what happens, I think this desire is impacting clients and then causing some bad behavior to happen with people. Maybe people that would never have done it before. But this goes back to this number three reset. You've got to have a policy. And if you don't, have a policy. And if you haven't had anybody be cranky, you will. So you have to have this policy and procedure for handling the things that will make you crazy and know what your limits are too, right? I mean, know where your hard lines are about what you won't tolerate. And we tolerate a fair amount. We don't let anybody treat us badly, but we tolerate a certain amount because we know we have that that empathy thing yeah. going on. Yeah. We had a moment uh, last week, we had a, a smaller furniture delivery that it went fine, but just the interactions with the movers were not what we would have hoped. And it's a newer company and blah, blah, blah. But I know I haven't heard that much about that other than what you said, but I'm, I'm kind of gathering that it was a little more of a, of a thing than you're talking about. Or yeah, you talked about I, to me. I guess it just, I mean, to, to, to speak to exactly what you said, it's like people are just cranky. They're in, they're impatient. And, and it's like, I, I don't know. I was raised in a home where my parents both went to work. They went to work every day. It was not a question of whether or not they went to work because they had to go to work to make a paycheck so that they could like live in a house and feed us food and all those things. But it's like, I feel like people show up to work now, but they don't really think that anything oh, that they yeah. are supposed that to be doing for their paycheck. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The- but it's, that's the sense of entitlement. And not, don't get me wrong. I think people should be paid what they need to be paid. Don't right. get me wrong about that. Cause I am a big believer in that. Like, especially like teachers who have to go and deal with this entitlement every single day at schools, they need to be paid more. I mean, these people are, are gods and goddesses as far as I'm concerned about in that regard. But Right. But it just kind of slays me because I, we work so hard for our clients and, and we do so much to try to get everything moving and done. And it's the holiday time and we want everyone to be happy. And it's like, can't everyone kind of like jump in the boat and be rowing in the same direction? Wouldn't you rather spend a day dealing with people who were happier and who just had a better sense of themselves and, and better context for the fact that like, 
what they're doing is not rocket science. This isn't super hard work. It's not much of an expectation to say, listen, can you wait five seconds while I put a tape measure and double check that? Like, these are things that are reasonable to expect and, and reflecting it to the client perspective. We have some clients who are very understanding, who have done projects like we're doing with them before. They know that things are sometimes a little nebulous on the scheduling end. Sometimes things take an extra day or extra two days or something doesn't come in on time. But then some clients throw these little fits about, well, this was supposed to be done back in March or whatever it is that they want to say. And it's like, we've been in touch every single day for how long but, to get this accomplished but that's, system, but that's our systems in right. place to be able to to deal with that. I mean, it, it just, I mean, you would be shocked, Liz, because you don't, you don't go on, you've already done the digital know, detox a long time ago, and you don't <laughs> see all the things that people go through. And I don't think we should be surprised when people go off the rails, really. I mean, I think if we're honest, there are, all of us have done it at some point or another and reacted strongly when not warranted. I know I'm guilty of that. The point is only you can control how someone makes you feel and react. And I think that it's important to finish out a project if you can. In some cases, you may need to cut bait and look for someone, look someone in the eyeballs and tell them, thanks for the growth opportunity. Hello, I'm out of here and be done. Okay. But, but that needs to be thought about before the situation happens. So that's the idea of planning this in advance. What are your non-negotiable indiscretions? You have to figure that out. And it really is going to be different from everybody. And please do not say these red flag business or whatever, because I, I don't, I'm not into that. I, but, I, but I don't think anyone should ever hold you hostage. And I mean that literally. This has been something I've been saying for 23 of my 23 years and probably before that too in the radio. I mean that literally, not a client, not a team member, not a contractor, not a sub. Possessing empathy does not extend to putting yourself in abusive situations. But I have to say, Liz, I see more often than not designers talking about situations where really they could have changed the dynamic Sorry, y'all. If they tried hard to develop the skills necessary to mitigate the damage that happens when something does go wrong. I mean, you have to be able to train people to do all of that, right? I just, I think that that's something important. Or being you know? keyed into that sensitivity. You know, it's like being aware of the type of client that you're working with, having a sense for what are their concerns at the beginning of a project? What are the things they're excited about? What are the things that they're nervous about? Doing that legwork to kind of help yourself get engaged with them so that you can then cater your service, even if you're your product and your process is ultimately the same really spot for spot, finding those little ways to kind of accommodate so that you can make sure that they're feeling heard and listened to. And that in the ways that you can go above and beyond, you do that so that they understand that you are still paying attention. And even when things are delayed or mistakes happen or plumbing leaks, whatever, all sorts of mess happens, you've got things under control, you've got a plan to move forward. Those are the ways that you keep it all on track. And just like you said, it's taking control of that and acknowledging that I have the capacity to do this. I'm not going to let all the rest of this stuff take over and run the shop, run the job for right, me, essentially. Right. Which leads us right into number four is developing that empathy. Okay. Because you don't want to let people run over you. You don't want to do all that, but you still have to develop and work on developing empathy so you can be there for other people. So you can realize that, that other people are having crappy days too, or that other people may have other things going on. And it's, 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 we have to tell people straight up. I think I don't, all this beating around the bush and all that, it's just not good for me. Okay. I, I just rather think that it's more productive to find solutions when someone is badgering or belittling you and your team. You know, you don't have to have a meltdown about it, but it's important to practice this empathy as you do not know what's precipitating the issue. So something like, I'm sorry, Mrs. Client, I respect your position. I'm committed to resolving the situation alongside you. And I want to ensure that we're both heard and our points are considered respectfully. Let's take a moment 
because sometimes you just need to take a moment, right? I know I do. And reconvene when we can engage in a way that's beneficial for both of us. I'm here to support you and continue our partnership just as I have from the start. Always wrap up. This is what I learned a million and 10 years ago, I think at the ad agency, but always wrap up like a paragraph with like a, a recap that I am like a positive. I'm here to support you. I want to continue our partnership, that kind of thing. But you taking the the high road is going to be good. And, and but, but really, truly feeling that empathy. And I think personally that developing empathy is a major indicator of a business being successful. I really... I really do. I really do. Because I think you have to put, you have to understand someone else's worldview. You have to understand what other people are thinking and, and how they may perceive something that's done. And, and listen, all you have to do is spend time, you know, on social media a little bit, and you'll find that, that people really aren't handling these things as well as they probably should be. And call someone on the phone, please, please ask for a meeting in person, call someone on the phone. Most of the time, my experience is, is that people simply want to be heard. They really do. It's rare that someone is just a true jerk. Maybe not somebody that we want to go out and have a glass of wine with or that we're going to invite to our Christmas soiree or a pajama party or something like that. All right. But I'm talking about just I think it's rare. I, my, my attitude about this is that it is rare that someone is just a true jerk. I think there's always something going on. And if I can be a more empathetic person, I think that's only going to be a positive. I think you need to listen more and talk less. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. It's a very human industry that we're in anyways. I mean, there's, we joke in the beginning of a project, we we'll talk with clients about this. It's like, you're pretty much getting into bed with us because this is going to be a haul. Chances are we're going to be together for a good handful of months. I was just saying this actually to my dad this weekend, how it's like amazing how I will talk to some clients and some subs every single day, two, three, four, five times a day for months on end. And then all of a sudden, it's like the project is done. I move on and I don't hear from them for how long? Like Julie Palmer was just in the shop and I was thinking of her. But I think that it really is about being able to identify that like sometimes those hard conversations are like the times when you need to get on the phone and talk. Yes. It helps people and you're get great it out of their system. I will give you props to Liz for that. You are great at just getting on the phone. I'm going to call. And because sometimes I just don't have the, the energy for it. And I'm sure that a lot of people feel that way. I, I will force myself to do it if I need to. But I will say that I'll give you total props for, for being that person that just says, I'm just going to pick up the phone and call them, even if it's a difficult conversation or any of that. I have to be in the right headspace to do that. Yeah. I just think it's a more... I mean, again, you remove a lot of the, I don't know, that like lost in translation, text and email correspondence where things can be taken the wrong way and you might say a word that you don't mean to say or it's taken the wrong way or whatever it happens to be. I just think that there's something about being on the phone, hearing someone's voice, giving them a chance to speak, acknowledging that like, you know, it's actually, this is really being bothering human. me that we're, we've run into this hiccup. So like, let's talk about this so we can figure out a solution. I think it means more to people than shooting off a quick text between meetings or whatever it happens to be. So I, again, I know it's not the, everyone's favorite thing to do. I don't love doing it all the time, but I do think that it, again, it kind of like closes down that potential for things to get kind of explosive and the emails to go back and forth and all that sort of deal, you know, yeah. And, 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 and I think it makes people feel heard. Yeah. I think it makes people feel that way. And I, and I think we have to work on that. I think we have to work on seeing others, like really not just being so busy that we're putting the blinders on and we're not seeing other people. I, I think this is important because we're creatives and we need to regenerate our energy at higher levels than probably normal people do. My go-to method for resetting the Cheryl show when I get angsty myself is to go out of my way for other people. This has been something I have worked on for a 
quite a while. It's definitely a work in progress, but I have found that it becomes a habit when you do it, opening doors for people. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get my, my drink at Panera some mornings, my iced tea, if I haven't made it or whatever, I'm always going to sit there and take a few extra seconds to open that door. It's training for me. Cheryl, you're not so freaking important and you're not so in that big of an, uh, a hurry that you can't stand here and open and stand here for a minute and keep that door open for somebody else. And it's also things like going into the, to smiling at the Circle K guy. The dude would probably rather be anywhere else, but checking you out there, but just smiling at somebody and saying something to them is really, these are things that I really practice because it is something to me that helps uh, I get more out of it than than what I'm doing, but it's just a way for me to kind of recenter, I guess. And, and remember, I'm not a, what you would call like a nicey nice person. I'm not that like, oh, she's just so sweet and nice. No, I don't think anyone's ever called me sweet ever in my entire life, except maybe my grandmother. But it's it's just I want to go out of my way to to send nice surprises to people. There have been many people in small business think big that have benefited from that in the sense that I am not doing it for them to say thank you or anything like. That. That. It's more of just like, I can see, I hear them, I see them. I think they're having a bad day. So, so I try to find some little gift or something that might put a smile on their face. And, and, but really you guys, this is not again, because I'm like this nicey, nice person. It's more because I am in my own little world and I do forget about common pleasantries sometimes. So this is the way that I have to recenter and sort of make it back to where I need to be because I'm a creative person and I need to generate ideas and thoughts. And that's important to me. So I think you have to take care of your own mental health for sure, but don't discount these little ways you can change somebody else's day. And the beautiful thing is, is really what it does for you. And, and sometimes that's all someone needs is just to be seen, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think this too is, it, you know, it's important to practice it with clients, obviously, because that relationship is important. Fostering that over time is important. But same thing with subs and contractors and with our vendors. We have customer service issues that sometimes happen or miscommunications or orders get delayed. It's so easy to snap. It's so easy to fly off the handle. And you have to remember sometimes like this person who you're on the phone with probably has Jack Diddley to do with whatever it is that is actually going on. So if they're willing to sit there on the phone with you and help you figure it out, be appreciative for that. Don't be sassy with them and, and rude. Be appreciative for the fact that they're willing to help you figure it out because other things along some pipeline have gone astray. Right. That's, that's and it reminds me. Yeah, that reminds me, we have to, we have to uh, select our three I know, winners for customer service of the year or something yeah. that we've been doing for, I think, I think we talked about this, one of the other podcasts is three or four years now going out of our way to, to catch people being good. And I, I think that you, you, and just, just to give them a back a little bit, because we know that they get so much grief from people. And I, I do think when you go looking for something positive to say to somebody, whether you're doing it because you just want to be a good person, or if you're doing it because you're fighting your own stress points, it's a great way to fight your stress points, but you're taking this an action y'all. And you've heard me talk about this before. If you've listened to this podcast at all, I am very much taking action. It is why I don't have the bank import things into QuickBooks because I feel like we need to take the action because we're going to see things that are wrong or whatever. And I don't want the bank doing that. It goes across everything that we do. And I think in this case, you know, the mere act of searching for something good to celebrate, looking for it is going to, and, and to give a smile to someone else, you're changing the dynamic of how you feel how you feel one small gesture at a time. And, and I think that 
this is something we all have to do. When I say all this, I am talking about all of us, you know, including myself. We have to fight hard to get out of our own way, um, to focus on someone else for a hot second a few times a day and actively spread a little bit of love and cheer. I mean, we can be the change agents that, that we really want to see in other people if we're mindful about it and, and we're really thinking about it. And I know that you may be rolling our eyes right now because I am not this person that, that is that touchy feely. And I'm really, I'm really not, but that's why I do it. That's why I believe in it because I'm not that kind of person. And I have to make myself have some methods of, of this reset or recentering myself on it. I think this also speaks a lot to sort of how it is that we are able to foster these relationships that keep coming back to us and keep paying it forward in our client. We have a lot of clients who show up at our doorstep time and time again. And it is because they know that we care and we get it done and we are after it on their behalf. And that is huge for them. We're That's what we're all about. We would rather do that 10 million times than have a crabby client who's got a right. ton of money, who is a right. pain in the you-know-what-to-deal with. And, and I get how people are feeling right now. We're in the midst of a lot of big changes at our firm, too, and we're dealing with all the fallout and, and, and things to adjust, the new dynamics. And I get y'all big time. I really do. There's a lot of things going on around here as well. And the only way, and this brings me to number five, the number five reset, before we get to the damn good truths, that the only way that Liz and I have really found to handle it all is to work on revamping and creating and fine-tuning all of our processes. So this is a little different than knowing your trigger points, like I was talking about in, in number three, about knowing those and having a response for it. This is different. This is really talking about your processes and they have to be revamped because y'all, we have processes for our process. Okay. We are process heavy and it's really important to me, but guess what? We have new dynamics going on. So we are having to learn some new normals at our firm. So that the focus here is, is on higher quality training, asking ourselves questions about existing processes too. Is this still serving us? Is this process still serving us? Are we still happy with the status quo or do we want to completely reinvent parts of what we do? And that is what happens when there's a lot of change going on. You really have to turn it into this positive and say, okay, maybe it's time to revamp a few things. Don't worry, Liz, I will not revamp ClickUp, I promise, even though ClickUp kind <laughs> it's of revamped, revamped itself the last I know, it's revamped weeks. itself. <laughs> but I do think that overall, too many small business owners, including designers, they discount how important it is to evaluate what is working. Hello, what is working? And then what is not working, right? And especially with client management, ask yourself, if you are giving your client enough information, are you sending your Friday weekly recaps? The ones I have talked about for years and years. So you should be doing that already if you've been listening to me or following me at all. You know, have you implemented this? Can you honestly say you are doing everything on your end to relieve a client's natural anxiety to, to kind of understand them and, and go back to number four where we're learning how to be more empathetic people? I mean, have you done that? And that's that, that's the thing. I know Liz is probably really would be thrilled if we weren't changing everything, but we have to because her new normal is new normal. And, and we've got lots of new normals all over the place, right? Yeah. And I think that to some degree, it's like you want to kind of like bolster yourself. You want to make sure that you're kind of doing the extras to be able to really get to where you need to go with clients so that when little hiccups happen, 
they still feel good about what it is that the trajectory of the project is. So it, it really is about making sure that you're keyed into the things that you can do on a very basic level to keep it all tracking so that when things get kind of crazy, you've yeah. got that as and, backup. Right. And you can prevent a lot of this. You can prevent a lot of this. Really, the theme here is to be rethinking about things and, and what's serving you and what's not serving you. And, and maybe even the business is not serving you. Maybe your business model is not serving you. I mean, we went through that probably 10 years ago or so where the business model was like, we need to we need to change this around. And then and then 15 years ago, we went and changed it again. So I think that that stuff is very normal and, and you should be doing in that at this time of year. But I think that the client management part is where I see a lot of people fail is on that client management and really understanding how to be uh, empathetic and, and all of those kinds of things. Okay, so here we go. Here's our damn good truth for today. Our expectations are influenced by how we choose to interpret a situation and perceptions, how someone should react instead of focusing on what we could have done differently to affect the outcome. Okay, I am very action oriented. What can I do? What can we do? How can I learn from this experience? What do I do next? I am very guilty of wanting to fix things, I think. But it's important to make a move of some sort, a move, okay? Capital letters, move. And no different when we are stressed and maxed out emotionally and mentally with busy lives, difficult work situations, and all the rest that's going on. Taking time to be alone with your thoughts without interruption of the noise outside will give you this clarity to assess what's working and what's not. Because the only alternative is curling up into a ball and giving up. And that is no solution. And I'm not going to let you do that either. You can call me first. Seriously, you can. Being intentional about your actions and your reactions is one of the lesser known secrets to success in my book. Thank you guys for being here, for joining us today. Please join us at damngooddesigner.com. You can look up the interiordesignparadigm.com and our group on Facebook, Small Business Think Big. We would love to see you there. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Until next time, stay bold, stay inspired, and keep embracing your bag girl spirit. If you've enjoyed today's show, head over to join the community at damngooddesigner.com to continue the conversation and sign up for our newsletter. 